Welcome to Embrace the Unexpected with your host, Bernadette Butler. In this program, you'll learn how Bernadette and her guests were able to turn what seemed to be a negative into a positive lesson that they can teach others and give hope. Now, here is Bernadette Butler. Love without measure. When he came into my heart, I felt a sensation of joyous ecstasy. You can't describe it. That type of love is without measure. Hello, I'm your host, Bernadette Butler, and my guest this uh, evening is Maddie Daniels McNeil. She was on before. Her son uh, talked about her son, Dennis, who have autism. And today the discussion is siblings, family, and how does that work when one of your children have autism or really any other type of disability or disorder. Hello, Maddie. Uh, Welcome back again to this show. Hello, Bernadette. Nice to be back. Thank you for having me back again. It's my pleasure. Yes, I wanted Maddie back so we can continue in uh, one of the conversations that we both said that we would like to have. So, uh, Maddie, to remind uh, those viewers and, uh, who are listening and to those who uh, are new to listening, uh, give us a small brief of who you are and then uh, go, let's start into the conversation about the family and siblings. Okay. Well, I'm a mom, a mother of a of three children, but my youngest son, I call him my darling Dennis. <laughs> He's uh, my autistic son and the youngest of the three. Uh, I'm also a registered nurse, a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and just uh, just your average individual that loves their children and that was given a challenge in life, a unexpected blessing, I call it, and and um, just going along doing what I knew how to do with prayer and with the help of uh, God and family, but um, using my skills and the things that I knew as a nurse to, you know, help uh, my son in every way I can. And so it's just been just a, a journey with trials and ups and downs and blessings along the way. So like many others and stuff, that's... Uh, Pretty much where I am today, still here in life, as he has grown up into, uh, I think, a fine young man with the help of the Lord. So uh, he is what I call my grace gift, and that's where I am today. As we, uh, but you, uh, I want everyone to know that uh, Maddie is sharing while she's in the hospital. Uh, <laughs> Maddie had another unexpected, and uh, and she had a hip replacement, and then she had uh, uh, some issues after that. So she's there getting herself together. But one thing, even in the unexpected, you still have to move forward. So I I just really thank Maddie for uh, giving her time in where she's at right now. So. Thank you again, Maddie. You are so welcome. My pleasure. So let's have that conversation. Which you want to start with uh, your siblings or Dennis's uh, sisters? Uh, 
well, I start with my siblings. I guess I would say family, I guess, of autistic children and, you know, how they really, really starts before I uh, started with my own siblings. And as I, you know, related to them, I had, you know, sisters, it was five sisters and one brother. And me being the first woman in the family, the only one actually, that had a child with uh, a special needs or diagnosis of autism. You know, and again, as I said, this was in the 80s. And, you know, he had a lot of aunts because of my sisters and I, my brother was on the end. So, so we were coming up, there was five girls. But when I think back, I was talking with my sisters. I was talking with a couple of my sisters, asking them, you know, how they related. And they were very honest, you know, because this was like 30 years ago, you know, as an aunt mm-hmm. and uh, not knowing my sister Barbara was saying a lot of it. She was like, like most of it in disbelief. And it was a lot of denial. And she told me that, you know, she was really uneducated about autism, which, you know, a lot of us were back then and some could still be today because we always continue to learn. Mm-hmm. And another thing that she described was, you know, she was very fearful. And her fears were, you know, how was she going to respond to, you know, the child once my son was born, would she know how to you know, relate to him, how to respond to his behaviors or to his needs. So, you know, those are just realistic, you know, things that they, she was sharing. And she's out about, she said, communication, because uh, my son, again, when he was born, originally he was nonverbal when it came to the age of him being able to talk. And when he did speak, it was pretty much garbled and just all, you know, it wasn't wasn't anything that you could understand. So his speech, his deficit was a big problem and not being able to communicate like when you would, uh, if you had to leave them, you know, somewhere with Mm -hmm. them or, uh, you know, they had to stay with them. How would she communicate with them? Uh, So, you know, and I was glad that they were, even today, they were sharing things, you know, with me 30 years later of how they felt at that time. Hmm. So a lot of things came up. And as I said, my sister even reminded me of one time we uh, uh, took my uh, son to church, to her church. I went to visit her in Detroit, and uh, I took him to church, and the church said, well, they had a children's church because he made too much noise in the original sanctuary. And Mm -hmm. so we went across the street, you know, the children's church was across the street, and they said, oh, leave him here, and, you know, we would leave him, take him over there, and he'll be fine, and, you know, they'll look after him. And so we, you know, took him over and was going to try, and I'm one of these moms, I'll let him try. And uh, we left him there with the children, and we went across the street, and about three seconds behind me, I turned and looked back. (laughs) My son Dennis was there, <laughs> and we was like, oh, my sister was like, oh, my goodness. I said, well, I let you know they weren't, you know, too much attention. So, you know, their reactions, you know, was quite uh, normal of how to, you know, how the family, you know, would relate to her and stuff. So that, you know, gave her a really idea of... Um, you know, people not understanding that she wasn't the only one, and even people that think they were in charge of children with autism, they can present, you know, I guess he slipped away or they didn't notice that they had to keep an eye on him. So her experience, you know, of uh, of of watching him grow up, and she said, you know, but as he's growing, grown up through mm-hmm. the years, she said she has really, you know, admired all the, you know, the work and dedication that... Uh, 
through love and support that I've done with Dennis. And she says now she can relate a lot better now that he's older and has, you know, speech and uh, she's able to communicate with him and to talk with him and stuff. But, you know, as she looks back, you know, those were mm-hmm. a lot of the things that, uh, you know, she's more educated today about it and um, just a lot of feelings that she had back when he, when, uh, he was younger has you know, now dissipated, but, you know, there's always, you know, any questions that she may have, she still refers, like, to me, so, but Mm -hmm. that's a blessing. Yeah, um, my, now, my siblings, that's uh, a total opposite of my siblings and family members, Uh, that's not, I didn't, I didn't get to have that, but I did uh, fly back from California to Chicago so that they can uh, uh, see uh, Melvin. And, uh, of course, uh, when I start having other children, we frequently went back. But when I was attempting to try to explain uh, what uh, Melvin was uh, going through, uh, it they didn't understand uh, any of that, and they thought that I was uh, smothering uh, my son, and that's what made him uh, the way that he was. Now, that's how my side of the family saw it, because one of my uncles said uh, to me one time when we were visiting back in Chicago, he said, that's all he does is stay up around you. But uh, Melvin... Uh, I come to realize later on part of the reason why Melvin didn't venture out and I didn't either at the time, uh, not with everybody, but with family members was because of the fact that uh, his uh, dad's family were uh, rejective of him and subsequently sometimes uh, uh, do comparative things. Oh, see, my son can do this. How come your son, your son can't do this? Come on, let's play ball, knowing that my son didn't want to play ball, and then his dad making him play ball, and then him getting trouble because he didn't want to play the ball. And and so uh, was I protective of Melvin? Yes, I was, because I didn't, I didn't particularly care for that. And uh, which always led to an argument. So when I was around my family and realized, okay, he's going to have a similar experience. So they pretty much not even uh, did any research. Uh, One of them is a nurse, didn't do any research. Uh, and, And I was told, well, we just didn't understand. Now, one of my, I had similar mirror to you, I have uh, five uh, sisters. Well, I'm in the middle. It's five girls, and I'm the middle child. And uh, I remember one time we went, and one of the older sisters, now, mind you, like I said, they thought I was just holding on to them. I was trying to explain. Like you said, you know how you said, and next thing you know, Dennis was up behind you. They weren't (laughs) even watching. See, Melvin had those spurts of, I'm, I, I can get away and, and see uh, he was swift too and if you're not careful they gone off in a crowd or whatever and I tried to explain that and so she said he's going to spend the night so she took him over to her house and uh, he spent the night uh, she had um, 
an older son, my nephew, and he was there. And so uh, she went in the basement to wash the clothes. Now they had a dog. Now I didn't have a dog uh, in California. Uh, uh, There was a German shepherd that they had this big old dog. And okay, now Melvin's coming in the basement, following her in the basement because she said, stay up here. You see with a miscommunication that didn't click. So he's coming in the basement where the dog is at. Now the dog is growling, you know, and and she was trying to calm the dog down and Melvin. And then she said, Melvin went up and the dog was, and he told the dog right back. And then the dog was like, went off somewhere like she said she said he wasn't afraid of the dog but she said that dog was like what in the world (laughs) this kid is growling back at me like me because you know how they mimic and they can Uh get that down pack and he had that down pack so uh and so then did that click with my sister not too much she was like Okay, this is too a little bit too strange for her. So it, it it's not like the next time we came that we were uh, welcome, you know, like, oh, come on and spend the night. So you see those things had stopped after that experience with that. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, different people have different experiences. So that's uh, that's very true. And I think about when you said something a minute ago, my sister Joanne was saying, now, I lived in Ohio. Well, I was originally from Michigan, but I moved to Ohio. So when my son was born, I was living in Ohio, so they weren't around that much, but I would take them, you know, like to visit. And so my sister Joanne, she was the only one. She lived in Kalamazoo, Michigan at that time. And she was saying her experience, now, she was the one, the only one at that time. She took him up to her home to just for a week to keep him and stuff, you know, thinking that, you know, give her a break, and she had no idea. And so she said just that one week with him in Kalamazoo, she said her expression was like, wow, you know, what a hard road, you know, ahead. She said the thing that went to her mind as she went in, she didn't really understand autism, but as she kept my son for a week, you know, she said it was very challenging. She said, and all she could think of was, boy, this is only a small part of what Daddy has to face, you know, mm-hmm. and she said, boy, you know, her, you know, faith and determination is really going to be tested with this child, and she said the other thing that, you know, hit her was like, well, my, his, his dad, she said she was really um, upset, you know, that um, he had really, like, turned his back on his son that really needed him, so and I could understand that as a, you know, she said, how, you know, who could he? And she said, but just things that just struck her, she said, as she looked at him, she said, but his his smile was so warm. He had such warm smiles and gentle hugs, you know, and she said he was just like a, uh, you know, just even today, like a, you know, a jolly uh, giant and stuff. So, you know, she said she was just so thankful that, you know, his, my husband now today, which is his stepdad, which he knows his dad, he considers more of a dad is in his life because of, um, all the challenges he faced mm-hmm. so, and the adjustments that he had to make. So, yeah, the, there are, you know, the relatives they have, um, and as we said back 30 years ago and even today, you'll find families where um, it's it, it takes a while. You have to educate yourself or even just be involved sometimes with the, with the person 
that I think, Maddie, they like, still got the old school thoughts in their mind, like you did something mm-hmm. wrong and uh, you're being punished. And mm-hmm. and so, yeah, that something went on there and she must have been on something. And that was the other thing. Oh, did you smoke? Were you taking drugs? I wasn't taking drugs. I wasn't smoking. I was not a drinker. So, you know, they had all those. You had to do something because uh, Melvin is the only one uh, in, on my family side that has uh, autism. And so, uh, or it, no one else had that I, even down to my uh, cousins that I know of. And if there is, nobody is saying anything. But uh, I, I think. Uh, sometimes if you have supportive family, that's wonderful. And when parents uh, uh, don't have the support of a family, uh, I want those families to know that all you're doing is adding another challenge to their to their plate that is mm-hmm. unnecessary. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that education, but today you see that. You know, autism, as I said, it runs across all social, economic, you know, culture and, you know, barriers. So it's found it doesn't matter what the cultural status or the economic status and, and you know, all uh, ethnic groups. So you find it, you know, there. So, you know, as people really, if they come to, if they really want to look up and understand, they'll see that so that they can, de- you know, debunk some of those myths that people just like to hold on to because it makes them feel better. But the reality of it is, is that, you know, this is, uh, these children are here and uh, God knows why and that our role is to love them and help them like we would any other children. Correct. You right. know, that have any type of uh, disabilities, cerebral palsy, anything else. So, right. yes, it is. Okay, now we're coming at break time, and we're going to take a little break and come back and continue the conversation. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. If your organization is looking for a dynamic speaker who presents life issues in a down-to-earth fashion, contact Bernadette Butler, author of Living with Autism. At her website, bebutlertheauthor.com, Bernadette's life experiences and love of God will give a lift and hope to all who hear her. While on her site, you can find out about her books, videos, words of praise, joy and love, and many more resources. Visit Bernadette's site today at bbutlertheauthor.com. In her recent release, Living with Autism, God, Me, and Melvin, from Page Publishing, author Bernadette Butler creates an autobiographical account of the joys and challenges of raising a child with a developmental disorder autism and the profound strength she derived from her faith throughout the journey from the beginnings to changes in her son's behavior silence diagnosis and the outcome overall get your copy of bernadette's story at amazon.com or directly from her website at bbutlertheauthor.com have you become a member yet 
Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You're listening to Black Friday, every Friday here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Grow. Evolve. Change. You are listening to Embrace the Unexpected with Bernadette Butler. If you'd like to reach the show, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or, to reach Bernadette Butler directly, send her a message at her website, bbutlertheauthor.com. Now back to Embrace the Unexpected. Okay, we're back now, and we're going to talk about uh, the children, the siblings of, of Dennis, and and I'll share some about my children and their brother, uh, Melvin. So, uh, Maddie, did you get to talk to your uh, any of your daughters about where their thoughts was at at that time and what was going well, on? Well, I did. I was able to talk to one of my daughters, and the other one, I've, she has always made her feelings known for you know quite some time throughout the years. So we have talked, uh, you know, over the years tremendously about it. So I didn't really have to do a lot with her because I kind of knew. You know, all through, she has always shared and, you know, let me know the good and the bad. They say the good and bad of what she was feeling and what she was going through. And and just to be, you know, honest and transparent, when I was a parent going through this, though I know today I didn't always, um, you know, get adhere to all these things or understand like I do today, but I had enough understanding to, you know, do the best you can because, um as your show is entitled, I love that word embrace. You know, originally you don't, you're, you're embracing, you, you're just embracing the idea of having an autistic child, trying to wrap your mind around it, yes. let alone your arms, you know, around that child because you still love them. But as you come to embrace, you know, as you come, I think the embracing is a process. And mm-hmm. I love that as God, you know, taught me that embracing this is a process because it affects the whole family. So even with, you know, the siblings, he had, you know, two daughters. My one daughter, she was almost out the house and grown when by the time Dennis came along, but she still had to, you know, interact with them. So as I thought about siblings, you know, um, you have to foster positive and loving relationships. And so... Um, I just wanted to look at, you know, some of the things I wrote down was, you know, a lot of their feelings, you know, they would share as they did, yes, about their feelings. Now, Mm -hmm. one of the feelings, I always tell people feelings are neither good or bad or right or wrong, they're just feelings. This is how a person, you know, is feeling about something. But when you're having a child with special needs or, you know, because we're not in their shoes, you know, we're the parents, but as siblings, um, I found that many times they they feel like they had to be perfect, you know. They would watch the struggles, and they'd watch you fall asleep with the child, you know, in your lap, or that you're really tired, and 
and that you put a lot of work into them. So one of the issues I found out as a sibling, they tended, she tended to, you know, not want to be a burden, you know, to your parents. You feel like you have to be perfect, do everything right, you know, so that you're not adding to, you know, well, my mom's already tired. She doesn't need me to do this or do that, you know, and so, and that could easily be overlooked. And many times you don't know that the siblings, you know, have these feelings. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll express it and sometimes they don't want to express it. And so uh, that was, you know, one. And another feeling was that, um, you know, even though they love their autistic sibling, a brother or sister, in this case it was a brother, they can resent. You know, there there are times that they can resent how much time that, you know, you have to, the needs, the child needs, and it takes away from them. You know, Mm -hmm. and they don't have the luxury, you know, of being mad or sad or... um, You know, they can be embarrassed by their, uh, you know, brother or sister's behavior, but they can resent the fact, you know, that sometimes they can't even speak about it. So those are things, you know, these are real feelings that they have. Sometimes they'll, you know, show it or or act out and say, you know, that uh, because they don't really understand. I mean, they understand to the point, you know, and we'll get to that in a little while as you teach them, you know, about the child, and it's not that you're doing it on purpose, but nevertheless, they're children. So, you know, they have to deal with their feelings that, you know, they, they not to be mean to them, or for instance, like um, they may have friends who have other sisters and brothers, okay, and, you know, their friends may talk about their sisters and brothers and say, oh, their sisters and brothers get on my nerves and stuff, and they make me sick. But because they have a special needs sister and brother, you know, they aren't allowed to say that. They'll feel guilty, you know, if they mm-hmm. say that or made to be feel like a, they're a bad person because, you know, theirs is different. So that's something that has to be, you know, taken into account when, you know, their other friends are allowed to complain about their brothers and sisters or, you know, they get, they get on their last nerve. But having a person, a child with special needs, you know, it's a little bit different. So these were some of the things and. Uh, I think my daughter would definitely share the resentment one, you know, that she had to stay and maybe watch him uh, a little bit longer or if I'm doing something in the kitchen or things like that, why do I have to watch him? Because, you know, they were, it's not like I had five or six kids, but I had two, you know, that were home at the same time. So it was a big Mm -hmm. help and stuff. So there are a lot of things that, um, because at the time you were a single parent, were you not? Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. And during that right. time, I was I started off married, but then when it came to being a single parent, yeah, that was another phase too, because we went from bringing. I was just going to say, um, you know, you want to foster togetherness, but instead, you know, they kind of resent the feelings about being split up, and you know, is it is it their fault or the child's fault? All this one well, that they're you know split up that the family is not together. And so they don't understand, but encouraging them, you know, to talk about their, you know, feelings. And it's not always easy because you're already overwhelmed with a lot. But as I look back and stuff, I try to, you know, incorporate, you know, some of that. And I will say I did the best job, and I didn't understand it all either because at that time, as you said, mm-hmm. we didn't know a lot about, you know, having books or people weren't writing about the effects of what it did on siblings. Right. But living with them, you know, just as a mother, you could just, you know, tell uh, the toll that it would, you know, take on, you know, the children. Because uh, many times uh, they would, you know, have to give them extra, you know, help and stuff or things that, uh, 
you know, you may want to go somewhere and do some things. And so one of their you know, concerns or problems was that, um, um, you know, they couldn't do things or maybe we couldn't do things together as a parent. Oh, you may have a child like my daughter. You could be in a play or something like that. Well, the um, the, the child with the autistic may not be able to sit there. That may not be right. realistic. You know, you want to try to include them and to have them do things together. But again, they may the, the autistic child may not be able to sit quietly while you watch a play without disturbing other people. So, and that can give the child, you know, you weren't able to stay or if you have to get out. Now, if you have two parents, maybe one can get up and take the child while they sit there. Or mm-hmm. even as you say, there may be times that you can't even go. Because of this child. So there are a lot of feelings that, you know, that come in, you know, to play. And I think uh, one of the big things is not to minimize their feelings, you know, recognize that, you know, their feelings are real and that, you know, it can cause them, you know, a problem. They can either become resentful or, you know, cynical. But, um, and oftentimes they can, you know, they feel like you don't take them, um, I would say, I think of the word, um, maybe the way they will, would like to be taken. For instance, as a parent, sometimes you may say, you know, and not out of spite, but, you know, you'd be lucky that you're not the, the person like this. You know, it could be you and stuff. And, you know, you're one of the lucky ones. Well, that doesn't make a child, you know, feel better about no. uh, their situation. And so no. they all, they you know, they can also feel like they're isolated. You know, many times right. uh, my daughter would feel, you know, very alone or something, like she's isolated because she may think that, her you know, she doesn't have a brother who's going to talk back or she's talking to him and he doesn't respond to her the way she wants him to or she feels uh, as they get older, they may feel like, you know, they can't have friends over because friends may ask, you know, you know, you're a little bit embarrassed or what's wrong with Mm -hmm. your brother or what does he talk, Mm -hmm. you know? So all of these feelings that they have are, you know, are real, you know, they don't want their friends and they don't want to have to explain why your brother is, you know, doing this or has this behavior. So those feelings that the siblings have or that my daughter would share with me, you know, a lot, especially about, uh, you know, feeling like, you know, being the older one in any family, there's more, you know, responsibility or even just helping out, you know, helping them to get dressed and things like that. So, yeah, there's a lot. So, you know, I, always tried to do, you know, what I could and tried to listen and, and then try to evaluate as I went along, but it took some, you know, it took some time. So, and we're um, parents. And we're not, I, um, we're not perfect and we, and, and we don't do everything just right. Because when you right. were sharing that, I thought about how I remember I told you, um, when they, now Melvin is the oldest and he's five years older than his uh, the sister that come after him, and then five years uh, from that, he's ten years older than uh, my youngest uh, daughter. So there's a, a space in between. So when Melvin was five, I had another uh, child. Now when she was in kindergarten, you know he's five years older than her. So now he's starting to grow up. And uh, I, one thing I didn't do is I didn't say to them, oh, your brother have autism. I didn't say anything. I don't know whether that was good or bad. I just felt that I wanted them, this is your brother. 
this is who he is. And I didn't I didn't emphasize on that because I felt like that was enough emphasis from outside sources. I, he was already receiving that from uh, my uh, in-laws and he was also already receiving that rejection from his uh from his dad so and it, for that I, I didn't say anything now uh, the middle daughter what she didn't like was uh, she found I, I became an advocate not just for Melvin but for all the other children in the community and along with in the children that no matter what type of disability because at that time there was a lot of stuff that this, that particular school district was not doing and I was writing letters and you know remember I shared with you that I was I was the go-to person in 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 trying to get help to get that district into compliance well I would take them to the meetings uh, and they would sit there, do their homework. She didn't like that. Uh, as she started getting older, why can't you be like other parents? Well, I'm not other parents. Uh, this is who I am right uh, at this moment. So that's uh, talking to you made me realize that's her cry. Like, okay, you, you're not paying me. She didn't say you're not paying me any attention. She just saying, why can't you be like uh, other parents? The the youngest uh, daughter, uh, she just, she told me, well, when I was growing up, she said, I, f- I figured, okay, something going on with my brother. And uh, when she tried to go in the room and play, when she was younger, he wouldn't let her. <laughs> Uh, Maddie, that's because, uh, you know, children and stages, she would tell everything. Oh, Melvin is doing this and that. And so I I said, um, uh, Melvin, why don't you uh, play with uh, her like you're doing your other sister? She tells everything. And then he shut the door. <laughs> so she was like, he wouldn't let her. In. He wouldn't let her in the room. She couldn't be. She couldn't be a part of the uh, uh, playtime that he would do because of that. But um, uh, as far as uh, going out uh, to the re- uh, when we went out to eat and all of that, they were fine. Uh, the exposure in the community and the newspaper and stuff, uh, they did not like. Um, the attacks from the other school board members towards me, and then they extended that uh, into talking about uh, my children, and uh, including Melvin. So uh, one of his sisters, the one that was getting resentful, she didn't like that either. So I remember her coming to a school board meeting, and she told them, you know, you talk about my mother you said things about me and my sister. She said, we can speak up for ourselves. But what you are not going to do, she told every last one of those board members and that superintendent, what I'm not going to have you to do, and I'm telling you to stop right now, is talk about my brother. My brother cannot at this time speak as he can to say what you're saying is hurtful I'm telling you it's hurtful and I don't want to read it in the newspaper anymore about my brother Mm -hmm. and so uh, the 
uh, reporter uh, put in the paper what she had said. And then uh, some of the board members was getting flack for doing that. And so all of a sudden, oh, we didn't say that. We didn't say that. But they said it in open session uh, doing and they and they talked about it, uh, went to the newspaper person and said uh, this and that. She's going around advocating he'll never be nothing. You know, that that type of stuff. Those are the things that uh, I realize now that they kind of got resentful about. The the uh, youngest one, she told me, well, she said, one day, mom, you say I'm going to the store. Uh, uh, I'll be right back. The store is just five minutes from the house at the grocery store. And I wasn't staying long. I had to pick up something right quick, come back home, finish the dinner. And uh, she said, I said, you know, I would tell them kind of keep an eye on Melvin. And uh, they would do that, but uh, it was just him and his younger sister that time, the baby girl, and she said she was watching him and kind of peering around, going upstairs and and peeking in his room, then going back, watching television. And he came out of his room when she was in there watching and went into the family room where she was at. He said, listen, I am the oldest. You don't watch me. I watch you. <laughs> and so she said, she said, all righty then. <laughs> she said, Mama, what can you say? She said, you are absolutely right. I will not be doing that anymore. <laughs> and, and then. And see, that's then the that, beauty that different people have different experiences. Because I think yes. his son was more on the Asperger, so he had that higher you know, into intellect or cognitive ability at that, whereas my right. son, you know, he's not one of the, uh, I'd say, the, you know, like the typical autistic person mm-hmm. that has that. And my daughter would say all the time, she said, I wonder what he's going to be like when, I just wonder what he's going to be like when he grows up. I said, well, you'll be watching him grow. She would always say, you know, I wonder, is he going to stay, you know, I guess she meant stay like that. But I would teach her that, you know, I would try, you know, teach her that, you know, autism is not something contagious. And even today, people need to know, you know, to teach their children it's not, you know, contagious or something you can catch, you know, and that it's not their fault. You know, because a lot of times the sibling thinks, you know, that, you know, the way that he acts or his behavior it has nothing to do with you. It yet explains to them that sometimes their behavior is a, a form of communication. You know, it's how they're trying to cope, you know, or a form of communication. Oh, hey, you know, and, and and even let them know, you know, even though you don't see them, there are other people who have siblings, you know, with autistic children mm-hmm. and have, you know, autistic sisters and brothers. So, uh, but the main thing, and, and that's why I said, you know, it's uh, got makes everything beautiful. I, I think I was telling you there was a scripture that, you know, I said, come to Wait, mind hold that thought, Maddie. Hold that, oh, hold that okay. thought. It's time for a break. So hold oh, that right. thought. Okay, okay, we're going to go to a break yeah. and we'll continue this uh, conversation. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. 
your organization is looking for a dynamic speaker who presents life issues in a down-to-earth fashion, contact Bernadette Butler, author of Living with Autism. At her website, bebutlertheauthor.com, Bernadette's life experiences and love of God will give a lift and hope to all who hear her. While on her site, you can find out about her books, videos, words of praise, joy and love, and many more resources. Visit Bernadette's site today at bebutlertheauthor.com. In her recent release, Living with Autism, God, Me, and Melvin, from Page Publishing, Author Bernadette Butler creates an autobiographical account of the joys and challenges of raising a child with a developmental disorder, autism, and the profound strength she derived from her faith throughout the journey, from the beginnings to changes in her son's behavior, silence, diagnosis, and the outcome overall. Get your copy of Bernadette's story at Amazon.com or directly from her website at bbutlertheauthor.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. You're listening to Black Friday every Friday here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Grow, evolve, change. You are listening to Embrace the Unexpected with Bernadette Butler. If you'd like to reach the show, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or to reach Bernadette Butler directly, send her a message at her website, bbutlertheauthor.com. Now back to Embrace the Unexpected. Now, Maddie, I had you to hold that thought, so you were preparing to share a scripture that you had. Uh, Yes. You know, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, uh, the Lord just kind of put the scripture on my heart when we were talking about this subject, you know, and it says, God has made everything beautiful in its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from the beginning to the end. And I thought that was just so beautiful when you, you know, that's the New Living Translation, when you're talking about, you know, the people that God has put, you know, this eternity in these children and, in, you know, in the hearts of those that care for them. And, and we can't see the whole picture, as we say. Mm-hmm. We don't know and trying to explain that to even to my siblings, that, as my daughter would always say, wonder what he's going to be like. I wonder, well, we don't know. We have to run mm-hmm. on and see what the end is going to be, what God is going to do in them. And so, 
you know, even though they have those feelings, you know, that, uh, you know, God says, you know, he's made them fearfully and wonderfully made in, in Psalms 139, 14. So I would always, maybe not so much in those terms as they were little, but as as they grew and as we talked about, you know, uh, her brother, because my daughter was like five years old. Well, my first daughter, she was like 13 years. It was 13 years between her and my second daughter, and then it was five years between my second daughter and Dennis. So as you can see, I had a, you know, a big scope. But I think what mm-hmm. I wanted to say is they never, you know, when they get through dealing with their feelings, then you really have to deal with the effects of, you know, there are effects that happen to siblings of, um, uh, you know, autistic or any special needs child, but, you know, as we're talking about autism, you know, some of the effects it has on them, I found out that although my daughter is that, you know, they have learned that people can be, you know, unkind, you know, and they can mm-hmm. be intolerant or even what we call hate speech today, you know, because of that. Mm-hmm. They can be unkind to children, you know, because they have brothers and sisters with special needs or calling them dummies, you know, or things like kids would, you know, he'd be sitting down, kids would move their seat, you know, if they mm-hmm. don't want to sit next to him or if they are, they'll move their seat over because nobody wants to sit next to, you know, Dennis, the dummy or whatever it was called. And, you know, it can make them cynical or resentful, but it's our job as parents to, you know, I tell them that, you know, they don't know any better, you know, pray for them, you know, that they didn't want to see them be mean to them and stuff. So when you see these kind of things, you know, this is how, you know, it can affect them. Uh, but the other side, you know, when you explain it to them, and I always would tell them, you know, you have to see your brother and even see the people that do that through God's eyes and through God's, you know, love, and that, you know, God will help you to see these, see your brother like he's him and stuff. Do, do we have all the answers in life to everything? No. No. And we don't have no. all the answers, you know, for autism. But, you know, being a sibling, you know, that's how, you know, it would affect them. Like, and I'm just teaching them about, you know, your brother may you know, need more help, you know, getting dressed, you know, he's getting ready for school. Well, he may not remember all the steps to get that you have to do. Well, you know, mm-hmm. to get up, brush your teeth, do this, do that. Well, he may need a little help remembering the steps, you know, of what he has to do and um, how to help them, you know, grow through that because uh, they do have to deal with that and you don't want them, you know, that. but it's good that they, you know, talk about it. And so, uh, it's very important that you treat, try to teach them, but also teaching them through age appropriateness, you know, depending on what the age of the sibling are. Is, yes. Um, yes. You don't want to, uh, you know, overwhelm them with too many facts. You know, you've got to uh, kind of understand if they're teenagers and stuff, they, you know, they really are more affected by, you know, what peers think and other people think and how people look at them. But when they're young, if you give them too much information, you know, they don't understand that. So I found that the best thing, you know, in trying to help them is to, um, you know, just let them know that, um, you know, that your sister or brother will need a little more help than most people. It may take them a little longer, but as you said, we don't limit them. No. And uh, sometimes they may have a tantrum, I call it, or a meltdown. I used to have yep. to explain to them, well, why are they doing that? I said, because they're not, pri- maybe they're trying to get your attention, you know. Maybe you're playing with your friends or maybe you're swimming in the pool or something and maybe they want you to push them in the swing, but they don't know how to express that, you know. Right, so and then they so, get uh, up, they may- upset. But I tell you this, in back of their minds, for some of them, mm-hmm. 
uh, when they get married, start having children, in the back of the crevice of their mind, they do think, well, I have a child like that. And so right. you, there's no answer to that. My answer, I, right. I don't know. I, right. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know uh, what what will be. But uh, don't worry about that. That Don't put that on the front burner because we have no control of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And since they don't know, you know, just be they don't doctors don't know what really causes it. And they don't they don't they even know what uh, uh, they don't know themselves. No, you know, so they don't. They have something. no no idea. But Maddie, uh, uh before we start if running out of time time, you said that you had some uh suggestions or something for uh parents. Uh yes. Uh, one of the things I want you know, I, I believe in, you know, to foster family together in this time as much as possible, you know, for people. Uh, I think that's one of the best things because you do need to be together as a family and not exclude the autistic person, you know, and, and things because it's very important that they learn they're part of the family. But at the same time, you have to, and the same time that the autistic child is being included, you know, take time to, uh, it's very important to treat each child as an individual. You know, try to set aside some special time. I know, like, I would take my son to, my daughter was in, we traveled a lot. She had uh, volleyball competitions, so we were really on the road and going around and doing volleyball competitions, like I said, and, and she was in dance class, and I would take him, and I remember one time she was, you know, I was supposed to be watching her, and, you know, and, and uh, Dennis was making a lot of noise and stuff, and so one of the parents got upset and they said, can't you keep that kid quiet? Can't you see? And I almost said, well, can't you see? He's a child. And then I had to realize, no, he couldn't see. You know, Mm-mm. he didn't really know or understand, you know, and I didn't want to miss my daughter's, you know, time to get on the balance beam and things like that. So, but I had to get that balance of taking him, you know, fostering together in this time, but then also realizing there's a time where, you know, and that is hard when you're single parent and stuff, or, and that's good to have some support. This is why support systems where you have a friend or somebody that can, you know, take him outside for a few minutes so he's not disrupted while you get a chance to watch that child. But have, you know, some time that you spend with that child, whether it's, you know, the, the sibling needs time where, you know, that they need to know this is just our time. It doesn't have to be a long time. You know, it could be no. a Saturday morning breakfast with just you two or, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe a few minutes, and especially if they share a room with a sibling. Oh, my God, if you share a room with a sibling, it's like they really need, maybe you can give them something like a beanbag chair or like a tent or something, you know, overnight or something where they just crawl mm-hmm. up in there where they feel like it's just you and them, you and them to foster that time to give them a few minutes, you know, alone and stuff, you know, together away from the autistic child. And but at the same time, because that helps them to know that each child is special and they need your, you know, time as well as uh, trying to include the autistic child. You know, don't leave them out. See what they can learn. Let them try. I, you never know what they can do. Until no, you, and you, you, you know, don't. Try. And don't do what I did. And, uh, and I realized, oh, I shouldn't have done that after talking to you. But I was trying not to give them a, a slack and out in, when they would do their lessons. And uh, 
they get notices from school and and I said, well, why didn't you finish your homework? Oh, I don't know. And I would say, well, if your brother can finish his work and he has his challenges, what excuse did you have? And man, they didn't like that at all. Uh, on one hand, that's not so good. Parents, if you're listening to me, I realize that now. On the other hand, it's how you say it. And maybe try to find ways in saying it without saying it in that way and challenging them uh, to do the best. If this is your best, fine. But if it's not your best, what you going to do about it? And that's the way at that time I should have responded. Because I was getting frustrated with them about the up and the down. And I'm like, what is going on here? But I think part of that, too, is what you were saying earlier. Uh, perfection, trying to be perfect in right. everything. Perfect in your schoolwork. Perfect this, perfect that. And mm-hmm. and when you're striving that hard, at some point, there's going to be a crash. And uh, I remember experiencing that as a child myself, trying to be, if I had all A's or all B's, uh, A's and B's, nothing less than maybe my mother would be proud of me. But you see, uh, it, that type of pressure uh, leads to a crash. So I, I, I realize now that I put too much on them. So if you're listening out there, whether your child have a disability or not, don't do that. Find other ways to uh, uh, to uh, help them through uh, the situation of whatever feeling that they're having about whatever circumstance is going on. You know, we're here to be transparent and tell the truth. Uh, Maddie, I know that's why I like for her to come on. She keeps it real. She's going to tell you this is what. We're not perfect people. We make some, we make terrible mistakes. The, The biggest mistake you can make as a person and a parent is to pretend like you're perfect. Yes, I love them. If I could say the last thing, is just let them know the siblings that you love them just as much as you do the other. Mm-hmm. And one thing I found out, the positive of children, you know, we talked about their, you know, some of what people may think is negative, but siblings of autistic people, they grow up to be such empathetic people. They have yes. big hearts and they have, you know, they're more responsible and they're more resilient than you, you know, think. And so uh, that's one of the things that, that helps them grow into. They really grow with a heart you know, of service and stuff. I right. see it in my grandkids from being around their Uncle Dennis and stuff, and they really, you know, enjoy, you know, serving and helping. So that's the blessing. And the love. And they I don't know if I had time. I had a couple yeah. of books I was going to say to help, you know, siblings if they interested, but uh, that I thought would be very good. You know, if uh, you need some help in those areas, two books that I found that were very good. One is called Siblings of Autistic Children. A Guide for Family Living, and it's by two doctors with Ph.D., Sarah L. Harris and Beth A. Gaspy, G-A-S-B-E-Y. That's their book. And one other book is called What About Me? And it's a book 
by an autistic, you know, uh, by a sibling of autistic. It's written for uh, siblings and by a sibling of an autistic child. His name is Brendan Farmer. So those two resources I thought would really be, you know, helpful, and they do an excellent job of helping the family and guiding and the siblings as well as the parents, you know, through love. with autism and so because you do need that you need encouragement oh, yes. and you just need to continue with the passion that you have for all your children with that yes. love for that autistic child yes i i thank you for uh, maddie for being my guest again uh who knows i might have to uh and uh call you back and say be on the show again because every time you and I, this is both our, this is our passion. So you know, yeah. uh, we can talk all night about this. <laughs> There's no limit so, to love. There's no, no limit no, to love. No, no, and and I will say that my when you were saying the children have empathy and 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 things like that, I know that my younger daughter, her next door neighbor, her oldest, uh, her oldest daughter has autism. Hey, she comes over there and play with my daughters, uh, my grandkids and stuff. Uh, and that's be- and uh, my daughter told the mom, hey, my brother has autism. So don't you worry about her. She'd be just fine. So, uh, yes, they they have open, willing hearts to help other people. Well, Mar- uh, Maddie, uh, thank you uh, for being on the show and um, I enjoyed the conversation with you. You never know what might have been if you don't embrace the unexpected. Hope to see you. Uh, hope you listen in the next time. Thank you for tuning in to Embrace the Unexpected. Be sure to join your host, Bernadette Butler, for another episode next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great weekend.